1: to the 615 Sessions podcast from the DraftKings Sportsbook Studios. We're in scenic, chilly, overcast, you know, middle of January, Nashville, Tennessee. Playoffs on the horizon, first round by. I hope everybody's enjoying their weekend off. So instead of our normal Titans media roundtable, because not a ton to discuss, frankly, in Titans news, but their opponents, something that I think you guys want to hear a little more about, potentially, who the Titans might host in the divisional round between the Steelers, the Bengals, the Raiders, or the Patriots, depending on the outcome of Wild Card Weekend. So we're going to play a little bit from two conversations that we had throughout the course this week, one with Coach Dave McGinnis of Titans Radio, where we got into the elements of who the favorable opponent would be, and then... A couple of minutes from a conversation with Greg Cosell on the install, uh, the other podcast that Greg and I do weekly, every Wednesday. So you'll hear from Cosell and Coach Mack on both sides of the game and a little bit on the Titans passing game, something that's going to give them an advantage in the postseason if it's sustainable. But before we get to those conversations, i got to tell you about our friends at Two Rivers Ford. I'm going through the car buying process right now. And I really have enjoyed every step of my experience. Now, it's not like it's going to be different for me than it is for any of you. When you go out to Two Rivers Ford, they're focused first and foremost on customer service. They've been like that since 1983. It's nearly 40 years that they've been doing business in Middle Tennessee, and they will do the exact same thing for you. Uh, You can go through the Built For You program at Two Rivers Ford, which You can order any Ford, any color, any available features, and they'll deliver it to your door whenever it's manufactured. So right now, there's a Ford Explorer that's being built in Detroit, Michigan. And when that Ford Explorer makes it from Detroit, Michigan to Nashville, in about early March, I'm going to have my new vehicle. You can do the exact same thing, any color, any available features, any Ford, the Built For You program at Two Rivers Ford, it's going to make your life so much easier. And if you want to go out and browse some of their inventory, one of the largest selections in the state, you can do that. The dealership's just seven miles east of Nashville International Airport in Mount Juliet, Tennessee. Beautiful Mount Juliet, Tennessee. So go pay my friends at Two Rivers Ford to visit or do your window shopping online at tworiversford.com. Let's get to Greg Cosell and Coach Mack. Mac, my guy, what's up?
2: Good
1: morning, Bob. How are we doing? We are well. I'm looking forward to a a, a little. I, I won't say outright relaxed weekend, Mac, but a little more relaxing than it would be if the Titans were playing this weekend. How 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 much how far into your preparations for any of these teams potentially are you in?
2: Well, I I I, I broke down. I spent time. I broke down three games: the Cincinnati and the Raiders, because we have not, you know, we have not seen them this year. Right. To play them and so i wanted to i wanted to get a little head start on them because i I had some time to do that uh and just kind of not go really in depth uh yet but just kind of figure out who's who in the zoo you know with what they're doing and i took their last three ball games just to get a little bit of recency bias you know on them to look at them but uh, other than that i've been doing a lot of uh, <laughs> Radio interviews across the country, clearly, on the Titans and on these playoffs, and so it's been pretty busy, but it's not uh, – look, you fight hard all season to get this this uh, first buy, and there's a reason for it. I mean, you need to enjoy it. And, uh, it for the team to recharge and for all of us that are involved to recharge a little bit, but – I think we've all got enough adrenaline going from the way the season ended and what's ahead that uh, we're all looking forward to next week getting started.
1: Somebody just wrote in the YouTube chat that says Coach Mack should take buck goat tying after the Titans win the Super Bowl, Mack. So if the Titans win the Super Bowl, I may take you up on that offer that the audience has just presented to us. Um, But in the meantime, let's talk about – I know you spent all week talking about this last Titans game Sunday in Houston, But I think the biggest thing that stood out to me, Mac, two things uh, in particular. The protection again in another week where they found some consistency and where the offensive line has remained healthy. And the downfield passing a game. His average yards, Tannehill's average yards per attempt, way up over his season-long average. They're finding Julio Jones, Nick westbrook Aquina. They're making plays in the passing game downfield. How much of a positive step was that? From what we've seen, based on just the the number of players who are again available for that quarterback to play with,
2: well, I mean, Buck, and you know this, and so do so do our listeners. They're sophisticated, uh, you know,
1: fans here,
2: you know, for the Titans. They understand that, that when this thing was put together offensively, that's that's what we all envisioned. Uh, Mike Keith just hit me this morning. You know, we're always in contact with Titans Radio with stuff going on uh, with this team. And he hit me with some numbers this morning that I think we all knew, but are pretty outstanding. They're pretty enlightening when you just look at them on paper. Uh, the offense had 1,133 snaps this year. And A.J., Julio, and Derrick Henry were on the field together for 120 of those That's it. <laughs> That's
0: wild. That's 120 insane. 120 out
2: of – 1,133 snaps. So the reason I bring that up right now is, to your point, this is what we envisioned when this was put together. But because of what we've gone through injury-wise, and uh, and especially, you know, losing Derek, you know, after week eight, and then those other two guys being in and out, because of injuries, I mean, it just, it just highlights more what this team has done as a team this year and what, you know, what John Robinson and his personnel people have done, what Mike Vrabel and his staff has done, what the locker room has done, what those 91 dudes have done that they had to play with. But when you really just look at it on paper, knowing that, you know, you've had 1,133 snaps and three of your guys – that were your explosive guys were on the field for only 120 of them together, that's a wow.
1: I mean, that's an incredible number that Coach Mack just gave us. All right, Mack, matchups all over the place. A great weekend of football ahead. And I guess we should start with that Raiders-Bengals game since you were talking about doing a little advanced work on them, and those are two of the potential opponents that Tennessee could see here in Nashville. Um, Max Crosby, I... I'm sure in the league he gets more credit uh, than he's being given publicly, but I have not seen a more in, a more impressive individual pass rusher in the sport this year. And the way that they got after Justin Herbert throughout the course of that game, understanding that L.A. was dealing with some offensive line issues, that the Raiders seem to be a really, really frisky team also having to overcome adversity like we've talked about a little bit with David Culley their own situation that not a lot of people would have been able to hold together.
2: Yeah. that's another guy that's done a tremendous job. Rich Biasaccia. I mean, he's done a tremendous job. I know him very well. I mean, what he was thrust into, but let's talk, let's talk about the team. Let's talk about the team. Look, uh, when, you, when, you watch, when you watch the Raiders, when I watch the Raiders, I'm not putting anybody else's eyes on them. When I watch the Raiders, first of all, they don't blitz a lot. They can rush with four people. Right. They, get nice, they pressure really nicely with four people, and you are 100% correct, Buck. I mean, Max Crosby's a problem. I mean, he's an issue. He is, an, he is a, a disruptor you know back there and he's constantly going he's got an incredible motor and and so they do a nice job defensively of getting pressure with four people up front and that's and that's very important and it's really important when look when you when all of us that are now in the playoffs you you start breathing some different air when you go into the playoffs you know you've got a lot of teams sitting at home watching and you're still going uh, in, into the part of the season that everybody worked so hard all offseason to get to, and what they have done, they're coming into this thing, and really, they were left for dead after the whole John Gruden thing, and and they've persevered through all of it. So when you watch them play, that's how they play. You know, offensively, Carr makes enough plays to give you some 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 issues, and so we're talking about the Raiders, and and they're playing physical football, which you know, you know me, I like that. I mean, you, you look at that. Then you look at the Bengals. I mean, Zach Taylor's done a tremendous job. That yeah. that quarterback, that quarterback that, that that they have, and those skilled people that he has, you know, and with mixing running the football, those guys are legitimate on offense. Very legitimate. In fact, they can play. They probably, but to me, just watching them again, this is the last three games, but they can probably probably play make it take it football as well as anybody because they've got explosive players and their quarterback is deadly accurate. And so, you know that that's just my uh, my look at them, you know, from the start. I'm going to be very interested, you know, most clearly, you know, watching that ball game. As I'll be zeroed in on all of them, but
1: that one to start with. Certainly, I think what makes the Joe Burrow and and Zach Taylor and that offense experience even more impressive to me, Mac, is the fact that they have just not done well this season as an offensive line unit. I know they've done things schematically to try and help protect Joe Burrow, but they he has been under duress. All season long, I I don't know how that gets corrected anytime soon if it hasn't to this point, but I've really found him even more impressive despite what he's working against from a protection standpoint. Joe Mixon has missed a lot of time, or not a lot of time, but enough time throughout the course of the regular season. He he is expected to be in the postseason. What what makes him special as a player from a trade standpoint?
2: He's a jump cut guy. He's a jump cut guy and he's a he's a same foot same shoulder guy. I mean, he's a heavy runner even though he's not a really big back. I mean, he's a, he's a heavy runner, but he he's extremely quick. His jump cut ability, his short area quickness, is outstanding. You know, and plus, I mean, when I talk about same foot, same shoulder runners, those are the guys that when when contact is coming, especially when it's, and he's cleared the first level, he can stick at that that foot in the ground and drop that same shoulder and still get yards after contact. He's a he's a talented, talented runner.
1: With the Chiefs and the Steelers, Mac. That's obviously, I mean, Bengals uh, Bengals. Uh, Raiders is a rematch as well from the regular season. But right. Pittsburgh and Kansas City, I mean, the Steelers just got run out of town, basically, when they played last time in Arrowhead. And for as, for as much as they have struggled offensively, Pittsburgh, they've still found ways to win games. What, what from a matchup standpoint, are you watching with, uh, with the way that that Kansas City defense has really turned it on through the second half of the season to kind of right their ship when things seem to be a bit astray.
2: Well, uh, Spags, you know Spags defense got better when he finally moved Jones back inside.
1: Yeah. You know,
2: because that's a that's a that's a big difference. And Spags, his DNA is he's gonna he's gonna bring pressure. I mean, he's gonna bring heat and, and lock them up on the outside. I mean, we saw that when we played him here during the regular season. You know, continue to stack the line and and, and bring heat. They're gonna make they're gonna make Roethlisberger beat them. I mean, that's what they're that that's what they're going to do. And the interesting part to me is going to be able to watch Keith Butler, their defensive coordinator at Pittsburgh, to see how he's going to handle Kansas City because Kansas City is now getting healthy offensively. I mean, they're going to have all their pieces back. And so, to me, I, I'm very interested to see when this thing unfolds what Keith Butler does because here's Pittsburgh cannot keep up in a make-it-take-it game with Kansas City. Pittsburgh is going to have to shorten the game, and then defensively they're going to have to do something to make them punt a few more times than, than Kansas City normally punts in a 12-series in a game.
1: I I'm curious to watch all of these games throughout the course of the weekend, Mac. And, and with, with the Steelers, I mean, obviously the Titans would love to see the Steelers coming into Nashville based on the way that that game was lost in Pittsburgh earlier this season. And, and much of it due to turnovers, Ben Roethlisberger and that offense only able to generate about 168 yards when they, those two teams meet. But met when, but when I look at the new England Buffalo game, I, so much of that offense in Buffalo with the Bills, Mac, relies upon Josh Allen to be great. So much of their production offensively comes from his ability to move the ball, either passing or running at this point. But it does seem like they've at least made the commitment to try and run the football more as we get later into the season. I, I don't know if you just throw out uh, what, what you think Bill Belichick is going to do at any given point because Bill... Is as slick as they come when it comes to game planning. What do you think this is going to look like the third time around?
2: Well, I mean, he's uh, uh, Bill Belichick will have something different for him, but whatever he has, he's going to make sure that that he's going to concentrate on taking. Care. Look, the quarterback, and you mentioned it for for Buffalo. I mean, that guy is. I mean, he's the piston that drives it all. He's he's the dude. And, and you're correct through the air and and, and with his legs. I think when, when 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 Sean McDermott and his group offensively go back and start looking at that game they lost, you know when they when they played New England, they they would have let him throw it more because you know when he was even though the the weather was as it was when he did start he was throwing, ripping it through there
1: Mac it was crazy
2: yeah well. Well, because he's, he's got that kind of arm talent. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they match up again. And, and here's what happens in the playoff, uh, Buck. I've just been doing this long enough in this league to know. Really, uh, in, the, in the playoffs, it really doesn't matter what much has happened with your matchup in the regular season. Yeah. Because this, this is a different type of – this is a different season. You know, people say, well, Mack, it, you know, it's the same teams. Well, it's different. I, I said earlier in this conversation, you're breathing different air now once you get into the playoffs. And so expect to see teams stand true to their DNA, but there are going to be tweaks with everybody's game plan, especially with common opponents.
1: Now, I don't know if this is a poor form to ask you this, Mac, but is there a preferred opponent you would like to see in the divisional round? An AFC team. <laughs> Coach Dave McGinnis. Of well, this is, this is going to be the <laughs> podcast where Greg carries me because I might the team that I cover, we I don't I don't there's not much to add other than what they did on Sunday in the passing game, Greg. Cause I think when you look at the Titans and and what has kind of been their their biggest inconsistency for lack of a better term outside of health has yeah. been that passing game. And Ryan Tannehill in the second quarter and after they broke through in the second half, uh that's about as good a football game as we've seen from him, other than the Thursday nighter against San Fran.
0: Well, Number one, there were two things that really stood out. Uh, Tannehill was outstanding off play action. Yeah. And he was outstanding on third down. And I think that the third down part is really critical because I think that two things must be executed well for the Titans offense to be effective in the playoffs. And obviously next week we'll speak more specifically about the matchup when we know who it is, but We know they're going to run the ball, Buck. So that's, we don't need to talk about that. Um, We know Henry will be back. We know they're going to run it. That's going to be the starting point of their offense. So what must be executed well for them to really have an offense that you feel good about, no matter who the opponent is, is what I call conventional play action, meaning Tannehill's under center, not in the gun, and third down passing. If they can do those two things well, then they've got a chance to be the kind of offense that we've seen the last couple of years where essentially they put up 30 points on average. Um, And I think if they can do that, they've got a really, really good chance.
1: Yeah, I mean, to your point, they were converting as an offense over 61% of their third downs against the Texans. But defensively though, Greg, that third quarter got pretty rocky. I mean, Davis Mills, gave him uh, gave him some problems and and 36 year old Julian Edelman or excuse me Danny and Danny Amendola um out of nowhere it felt like w- was there anything that stood out to you from a personnel standpoint that uh you if if you were in a Mike Rapel press conference you'd like to know the answer to no
0: no i mean look uh i think the titans they have a, a defined defensive profile particularly versus pass they're not a high percentage blitz defense their pressure profile has been predominantly four-man D-line pressure. Yeah. They have multiple stunt concepts. They're very good with stunts. As I said, multiple. They'll have TT stunts inside. They'll have ET stunts, which means the end goes first and the tackle loops. They'll have TE stunts, which means the tackle's the penetrator and the end is the looper. Um, they do those things very well. The other thing we see a lot of with them is what we call four-man zone exchange pressures, meaning that they play zone coverage. They still rush four, but one of the four is either a linebacker or or the slot corner. Molden has been a big uh, fourth rusher in that scheme. Cunningham we saw this week being a fourth rusher in that scheme. But there's still four-man pressures. Now, there's some five-man pressures thrown in on occasion – it's not as if they never rush 5, but their defensive profile essentially has been four man defensive line pressure because they've been good enough to do it. Yeah. Um you know, look, you can talk about specific plays this week. You have to, you know, obviously when it, when a, a Davis Mills, who by the way I, is a very interesting player to me, but that's a, for another conversation. Um you know, some of the throws he hit, they, they came against zone um you know uh he uh he made some just some really good throws um against cover two against um i think two big ones i remember cooks 25 yards on third and 15 in the second quarter came versus cover two when he hit collins for 30 yards on the first play of the fourth quarter that was also cover two. And that was a four-man zone exchange pressure in which Cunningham was the fourth rusher. So he had some throws against cover two. He had Amendola on the 26-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter, which was the play right after Molden went out. So Jackson was actually the slot corner and Amendola beat him on the slot fade. So is it worrisome? Probably not. They've been a good defense all season.
1: Yeah, I, I think that Uh, I think that it's going to be interesting to see how how much different they look, if at all, not different from a schematic standpoint, but if they're able to, with just healthy bodies, uh, do a little bit of this stuff more consistently, certainly in the passing game like we're talking about. Well, that's critical. I mean, look, it's interesting when you hear,
0: you know, analysts talk on TV and they say things like, well, they can run on anybody. And we know that's not true. You know, that's being said now about the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, they can run on anybody. And last year going into the playoffs, what was said, the Titans can run on anybody, right? Until they got into the playoffs. And amazingly enough, they didn't run on the Ravens. Yeah. So you have to be careful about those kind of blanket, platitudinous, absolutist statements. You know, (laughs) obviously they're a running team and Derrick Henry is the best back in football when healthy. So they're going to run the ball but volume doesn't automatically mean production when you get to the playoffs.
1: Yeah, well, and I've been I've been trying to tell people that as far as expectations for Derek, whenever it is that he gets out onto the field exactly, I mean, you know, it, it may not look exactly like you want it to look right out the gate based on the matchup right. and based on how people are going to adapt to the Titans' tendencies because we all know that they want to run the ball. But from a matchup standpoint, Greg, obviously there's four teams that could potentially end up Here in Nashville and some really interesting wildcard weekend games Uh, between Cincinnati and the Raiders, I think, is probably the place that I'd like to start. We've talked a lot about Joe Burrow and what they've been able to do with him offensively and the big playability of Jamar Chase. But this Raiders defense and particularly Max Crosby, uh, I don't know if I've just not been watching a lot of Raiders football this year, but I was shocked at how much pressure they were able to get on Justin Herbert throughout the course of that Chargers game. What, what do the Raiders do well as a team right now and what makes them dangerous as an opponent?
0: Well, you can talk about their defense. And again, it's a defense without a lot of mystery to it, Buck. It's a team that predominantly rushes for. Yeah. They play, They play. I think, the highest percentage of cover three in the league. Um and that's a zone coverage, but they do play cover one, which is the the man version with a single high safety. They do play that. Um, they, they're another team that is able to generate pressure relatively consistently with their down four. Um, you know, these two teams played week 11, and it was a very odd game. The, the um, Bengals ended up running the ball really well later in the game, and Mixon ended up with 28-29 carries, if memory serves me correctly, yeah. um, including a 20-some-odd-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter. That kind of, I think, helped put the game away. But Burrow had 20 completions for only about 140 yards. It was a really odd game. And I don't expect that to happen again. But I think one thing that you have to be aware of in this game, we know how good Burrow has been, OK? Mm-hmm. We know how good Jamar Chase has been. We know how good T. Higgins has been. But their offensive line is an issue in pass protection. They've struggled all season in one-on-one pass protection. And I'm very curious to see what the Bengals' pass protection approach is. The Bengals love to play out of empty sets. They played out of empty sets the second most in the league behind the Rams and Matthew Stafford. And if you're an empty – now, you can still chip when you're an empty – Because your
1: inside receivers to each side can chip. Titans did it against the 49ers like we talked about.
0: Correct. And they've done it a few other times since then. That is correct. Um, But I I just don't think they can rely on their their offensive line, their five offensive linemen, to pass, protect, snap after snap against this Raiders front, particularly on the edges. Uh, Williams, Jonah Williams at left tackle, struggles in one-on-one pass protection, he'll most likely get Yannick Ngakwe and then the right tackle I believe will be Isaiah Prince. Yeah. Um because Riley Reef I believe is after the year. So Isaiah Prince is he'll play right tackle and he's going to be matched up against Crosby. That is a tough tough matchup. You know, as good as Burrow's been, he I think you're going to see him have to move a bit. And by the way, week 11 in that game, he was anticipating pressure. He was perceiving pressure at times. He was not comfortable in that game week 11
1: against the Raiders. Well, and as you've said so many times on this podcast, and, and we know on the matchup show as well, any weakness can pop up in any particular yeah. week against any team. And and this has kind of been the theme, as you mentioned, all year long with the Cincinnati Bengals going back as far as the draft. How would they address the you know, and then one other
0: point, you know, everybody has seen in recent weeks, Burrow, who's very aggressive throwing the ball down the field, particularly one-on-one shots outside the numbers. We've seen them be very successful both with Chase and T. Higgins doing that. But in that Week 11 game against the Raiders, he took some shots to Chase down the field one-on-one versus Faceon, the corner who's playing because uh, Trayvon Mullen is out for the year, and Faceon did a very good job on Chase in that game. So, you know the one-on-one throws are not automatic just because we've
1: seen a bunch of those in recent weeks, doesn't mean it's going to happen every week. So with, with this week and with the kind of matchups, a lot of rematches from the regular season, Bill's Patriots obviously in a divisional rematch as well. Uh, We know the weather conditions are going to be cold, but how, you know, it's not like there's going to be another windstorm or something like that. We don't know what Bill Belichick, is going to do, but at this point, this Bill's defense, Greg, it does feel like there are some ways for a team built like the Patriots offensively to be able to exploit them. Um, What, what do you, how, how have those first two games gone and given what we saw from such a run heavy approach by Belichick in the first game, how do we think they will kind of try and attack this defense the second time around? Well,
0: I, I, Look, with Bill Belichick, you know, uh, you can't figure out what he might do. So I'm not going to sit here and say that, oh, this
1: is going to happen. Definitively, sure.
0: Right. But I think they're a certain kind of team offensively. I don't think that you can go into a game, and I believe it's going to be, they say, two or four degrees. Um, I don't think they're going to go into a game and say, you know what, we want Mac Jones to throw it 45 times by choice. Right. I, I, I can't imagine that would happen. So I think the starting point will still be their run game on offense. The question is how they choose to run it. The Bills want to play in their nickel. They've had many, many, many games this year where they have played nickel on every snap, every Mm -hmm. snap. And for the season, they've played nickel well over 90% of their defensive snaps. The two games in which they haven't played that much nickel relative to what they normally do have been the two games against the Patriots. I would expect that you'll see the Patriots line up with their fullback, Jakob Johnson. I would expect you'll see them line up with six offensive linemen. Try to get the Bills out of their comfort zone of playing nickel. Get them to play with three linebackers. Now, A.J. Klein's a good player. He's their third linebacker. But that's not how they clearly want to play. And then work off that.
1: That's what I would expect to see happen. New England's defense is, is always going to be good, but I mean, Kyle Duggar at safety has been so good for them throughout the course of the year. And we know that Josh Allen is capable of completely taking over a game. They do ask him to do an awful lot. Yeah. But at this point, I mean, what is there any, is there any reason why this would look any differently the Patriots approach from the way that these last two bills games have gone?
0: Sure. I mean, Well, let's put it this way. I think the game will still be put in Josh Allen's hands. Right. But they have attempted to run the ball more these last number of weeks, clearly Uh, two weeks ago against Atlanta um, in a close game. They definitely committed to running the football with Devin Singletary, who's the number one back without question. Sure. Uh, So the question is, what do they do in this game? The last time they played, which was week 16, They made no bones about the fact that this is Josh Allen's game. Let's put the ball in his hands. Let him be Josh Allen. He had no turnovers. I don't know if he was sacked in that game. I don't believe he was. Um, So if he does that, he is capable of special plays. He's he's the most physically gifted quarterback in the game. So he's capable of being special any given week. But – There is at times a reckless, undisciplined nature to his play, and that can crop up as well. And in this game, I don't think you can survive three turnovers. So so we'll see. I mean, Josh Allen is, is really kind of fun to watch, but he can be a little reckless and undisciplined. So if he can play a clean game, then I think the Bills would have a very, very legitimate chance to win. But... I'm curious to see what their run pass ratio will be given that they have committed a little more to the run, but I think
1: they know they're not going to beat the Patriots running the ball. Yeah. I mean, that defense uh, up front has been stout all year long outside of a few explosive plays on the ground that they gave up to the Titans, but like those, the, the personnel that they were using, I heard uh, one of their defensive tackles. I think it was Godshaw talking about it. They were in passing personnel on that uh, past defense personnel on that Hilliard explosive run to be specific. They haven't done that a lot throughout the course of the season. Steelers chiefs, Greg. I mean, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't want to be unfair to Ben Roethlisberger good on him for getting into the playoffs and the way they, they are winning. They have won games. In fact, the Titans win is the reason that they're basically in the post season at this point. Um, With the way that the Kansas City defense, though, has been giving up yardage down the field in the last couple of weeks, is there anything that's different about Kansas City or is it just an execution thing?
0: Well, they didn't give up much in the final game of the season in the past game to Drew Locke. Um, So, you know, I think their defense for the most part down this last stretch of the season um, and they were really responsible for their initial turnaround, the Chiefs defense, As Mahomes kind of worked his way back into playing. And their offense, by the way, looks totally different. It's efficient, but it looks totally different than the Kansas City offense we've been used to seeing the last two, three years. Um, But I would imagine that the Chiefs' defense, from a tactical perspective, will be aggressive. Um, They play cover one, they pressure, they will blitz. They play cover two. They play a ton of cover two. And they get to it with disguise and late movement. I think you'll see a lot of that, Buck. Because one thing we've seen with Roethlisberger is he kind of gets stuck in the pocket a lot. And he's not the guy he was five, six, ten years ago. I mean, he feels like he's been playing for 30 years. He's not the guy who's, he was where... You know he can move around, he can sh- shed bodies. he's not that guy anymore, so very often when he gets stuck in the pocket, he ends up making kind of an undefined short throw or even getting sacked. So I would expect that Steve Spagnola, the D coordinator for uh, Kansas City, will be aggressive. I don't think he's going to
1: sit back so when, when you talk about the uh, when you talk about the offense for the chiefs being totally different than what we've been accustomed to in the last couple of years. How much of that, Greg, is them kind of trying to play to the strength of their offensive line? Because we've talked about that they're not necessarily built to pass protect no. the way that previous Chiefs teams have been.
0: Well, some of it could be that, and we don't know what the what the sure. reasons are because we're not there. Um, but I also think that early in the year, you saw Patrick Mahomes with a lot of unnecessary movement that became too random. And we know he can be great at that, but it started to go in the wrong direction. and. I give credit to the staff. I give a ton of credit to Mahomes. Um, but if you've noticed, if you've really watched them carefully over the last five, six, seven weeks, this offense has become very timing-based, very rhythmic. The ball comes out of Mahomes' hands quickly. Yeah. He's not waiting in the pocket, he's not looking to move. Now his movements tend to be calculated as opposed to unnecessary. Um, and so and, and And a numerical representation of this is the fact that his yards per attempt is down by one yard from the last three years, so their offense looks different, but it's been very very efficient
1: yeah, and that's exactly what you need him to be right now as you get ready for the and post. always
0: capable though obviously of the big play either with his arm or with his legs
1: well, and just because they've got those wide receivers i don't I don't know what the status of Tyree Kill is going to be, he was clearly uh, limping through that last game against Denver or Travis Kelsey for that matter, but they do have great uh, playmakers in space. All right, not a ton of mailbag questions for you, but we do have a few, so we might as well spend this time together since we've got a bit of a wait until the Tennessee Titans play football next week. In fact, we'll do a whole other podcast, and it'll be a good one. We'll have an all-out preview for you there of this game. We'll go really, really in-depth we'll pull a lot of different people. I'm excited for what we're going to do next week cuz you know, this is this is the time, baby. Everybody's going out for the playoffs. So why shouldn't we? But before we get to the Music City Mailbag, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL is counting down to Super Bowl 56. They got a huge offer for you. If you're a new customer, you can get 56 to 1 odds on any wildcard team to win their game. So you know any AFC team but the Tennessee Titans that's still in the postseason because they're not playing this week, or any NFC team but the Green Bay Packers, the other top seed in the conference. Bet just five dollars and win two hundred and eighty in free bets if your team wins this wild called Wild Card Weekend. That's a tough one. All customers can also get in on DraftKings Hammer the Over promotion. For every 5,000 bettors who take the over for Saturday night's game, the point total will lower by a half a point. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code A to Z Sports. Get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. You bet just five bucks, you win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's code A to Z Sports this wild card weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older and present in Tennessee to BetsyDraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text the Tennessee red line 1-800-889-9789. All right, to the DMs, shall we? Let's start. And by the way, you can submit your Titans questions, comments, concerns to my inbox at Buck Rising on Instagram. The DMs are open. We got Chris Campbell. He says, Do you have Rhett Bryan's hype promo for the playoffs? This dude needs it. And by this dude, he's referring to himself in the third person. Do this lifelong fan a solid Buck? LOL. All right. So if you don't know who Rhett Bryan is, you should, by the way. He's great at what he does. And he's been a multiple time guest. On this podcast. In fact, I think Rhett should be a part of our uh, extravaganza next week. Anyway, Rhett Brian is the executive producer for Titans Radio. And this man is an artist. Titans Radio is one of the best produced radio products from any of the 31 Other teams, from their radio affiliates, from their flagship station. And I'm honestly I'm so lucky to get to work with Rhett. Every single day. Not just for the small part that I do on Titans Radio with Jim Wyatt pregame, 15 minutes before kickoff, including the divisional round, including potentially the AFC Championship game. That'd be swell. But from the standpoint of this dude puts his heart and soul into the product around Titans Radio, into the production elements. He's in the lab. Seven days a week. He goes in after games. He goes in before games. He's running the show when you hear him hosting on game day. Not only is Rhett running the board for that, he's steering the ship. And it. there's a lot of complicated parts. So um, the answer is no. I won't spoil Rhett's surprise by giving you his hype promo for the playoffs. But I will tell you that it is Mwah! chef's kiss. So, elsewhere... In the DMs. Alright, so a question about the uh, potential for the city of Nashville to host Titans watch parties for the divisional round and potentially AFC Championship game. So I tweeted this out earlier this week. And basically, I was asked for more details. I don't yet have more details for you, other than they are in the process of putting this together. And what I would say to you is like, I tweeted out a picture and maybe this was a mistake by me because I didn't want to, I didn't want to turn it into a COVID thing. And I'm sure that proper precautions are going to be taken um, from whatever the city of Nashville ends up planning. But what I was told is it would look similar to the Preds in 2017. Remember they made that Stanley Cup run. And so I tweeted that picture out for like context and of course, 2017 pre-pandemic, you know, pre-need for um, inherent social distancing, pre-Omicron variant, all these things. And, you know, whatever you think about that, I don't care your opinion one way or the other. I'm just saying that perhaps the picture that I put with it, because I did include that picture of Broadway, which, of course, I don't think it looked anything quite that big, but they are planning something. They do have something in the works. And as soon as we have more details on that, I will be happy to provide them to you. All right. That's the mailbag. Have a great wild card weekend. Enjoy you know, your peace of mind until your football team plays next Saturday or Sunday. I suppose we'll find that out here in the very near future. But until then, enjoy yourselves. Have fun with the football. We'll come back. We'll talk about it Friday. We'll blow it out. It'll be spectacular. And we're very Uh, happy to be presented by Drafting Sportsbook and Two Rivers Ford. We're grateful that they make this show free for you. So show them some love and have some fun when you use either of these great businesses. Anyway, see y'all next week.